What's going on and welcome into the Tuesday edition of the Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek. I'm Daniel Salerson. Hope everyone enjoyed yesterday's summer league game between the Pelicans and the Bulls. Pelicans ran over the Bulls yesterday and what it was an exciting game for Pelicans fans. And to help me break it all down is Jim Eikenhofer of Pelicans.com and Antonio Daniels, television analyst for Bally Sports New Orleans. And gentlemen, we'll start with that and then we'll get into the offseason moves for the Pelicans. But Antonio, I know between you and Jim, the, the tweets from you both were very encouraging, exciting, just on everything went down yesterday. Before we get into individual players, what stuck out to you, AD, about yesterday's win for New Orleans? Well, well, first, um, you know, you have to look at the individual players. But uh, for me, everything starts at the top. The communication from Coach Willie Green to this young basketball team is something that really stood out to me. You know, and when I sat down and had an opportunity to talk to him and interview him, um, that's the thing that stood out to me the most is how important communication was, how important it was for him to relate to his players. And yesterday gave you a real kind of up close and personal in-depth look of what that looks like. Jim, what about you? What did you see yesterday? Just kind of your, your initial thoughts. Yeah, I thought the second half, the way that they swarmed defensively, if there was a way to bottle that, the energy that they played with and just how aggressive they were, it seemed like they really took it to the Bulls in that after halftime. And I mean, you could see in the second half, I know we're going to get into individual players in a, in a second here, but um, Trey Murphy, how, how much fun a lot of the guys had. I mean, it was, you could mm-hmm. see all the smiles and all the joy that they had. I know that's a word that Willie Green used recently was playing with joyfulness. They were, they were having a great time in the second half, and you could see how the, the defensive effort and all of the effectiveness that they had at that end of the floor translated into open threes and dunks and layups. And so it was, it was a lot of fun to watch. You, you mentioned how much we were tweeting yesterday in the second half. I mean, it was, it was nonstop. There were, it was pretty rare you see a summer league game where there, there are that many things to kind of talk about. And I kind of half-jokingly said it was the rare summer league game where you, you wanted it to – go on another quarter or two it wasn't like oh can we please get this over with which is what what happens in a lot of the summer league games but playing the right way is fun though yeah you know like when when you talk about uh joy and what joy feels like in basketball basketball like joyful basketball is playing basketball the right way it's when everybody's in the same accord you know everybody's playing with the same um goal in mind that's fun you know when the ball was moving from hand to hand nobody cares who gets the credit you know, everybody's out there playing together. That That's where that joy comes from. And you're right, Jim, because you could see that joy yesterday, in particular in the second half. You know, one thing, too, I'd add quick, quickly, I was impressed by some of the passing for uh, – obviously this team has only practiced together for a few days and hasn't had that much preparation. I mean, it did seem like there was some good chemistry. You saw some kind of look-away bounce passes for dunks, and Herb Jones had a really nice cross-court pass to – Trey Murphy for a dunk. So I, I'm, you know, you could give some of the credit to that for, to the coaching staff, but I mean, they didn't look like a bunch of guys that had never right. played together, despite the fact that they haven't had that much time. No one in summer league has that much time to kind of develop chemistry. Yeah. 25 assists in the game yesterday for the Pelicans. And it is really refreshing to hear Willie Green stress the importance of having fun because you don't really hear that in a coach's, you know, vernacular when talking about, you know, what are the keys of the game? And he always stresses, even in the few times we've heard from his, is to go out there and have some fun. You, you're right. When you play well and play together, I mean, that fun just comes out with the, and it showed in that second half against the Bulls. If we talk about individual players, I had a lot of fun watching Trey Murphy yesterday. I think everyone did so as well. Not only that uh, posterizing dunk 
Um, but the six threes he shot, and I know everyone was excited when the Pelicans drafted him at 17 because of that shooting. But Antonio, I mean, that was really exciting to see him marry those six threes. That that stroke that he has, it just seems so pure. And it was a lot of fun yesterday watching him play. Okay, so I have a thought on on summer league basketball. Okay. To me, summer league basketball is like preseason football. You know, if your team plays well, it's fantastic. And it means everything. But if your team struggles or an individual struggles, you say, well, you know, it doesn't really matter. It's preseason or it's the summer league. And I, I do realize and understand that it's summer league. Obviously, the intensity and the level of play will come up during the competition will come up during the regular season. So for me, there are certain things that I'm looking for. You know, you think about this Pelicans roster and what this team was missing last year. What it was missing, you know, it was missing space. It was missing a knockdown three-point shooter who wasn't named Brandon Ingram. You know, someone that the other team had to honor no matter what. So for me, as great as Trey Murphy played yesterday, for me, it was about watching him stretch the floor and shoot that basketball with no hesitation from behind the arc because that's what gives guys space. You think about today's NBA. Today's NBA is surrounding your star players with guys whose skill set complement theirs. You think of B.I., you think of Zion, right? The amount of space that they need. What Trey Murphy brings to the table offensively with his, his ability to shoot that basketball and stretch the floor could be perfect as far as how his skill set complements the skill set of Zion and also B.I. And Jim, you can touch on him offensively, but you know, when hearing his interviews in his press conference, he talks about defense and how much the willingness for him to play defense, which I texted AD about that. It's so rare, uh, not only for a young player, but just a player in general to talk about how much you know he focuses on the defensive side of the ball. So I just feel like you add that to what he can do on the offensive end. And, you know, again, just one summer league game, but that's the mindset you would love to hear from your rookie. Yeah, I mean, to add to one of the things that Antonio talked about, I was listening to Raja Bell on a podcast the other day. I'm sure Antonio knows him or played against him and throughout mm -hmm. their careers. He talked about how it's very important when you come into the NBA to know what your job is, basically. To, a lot of these rookies, they the, the ones that adapt the best to the NBA, the ones that know they're not coming in to average 25 points a game, you know, have the offense run through them. They're there to fill a specific role. And I think that's a lot of what you look at in summer league is not necessarily the statistics or, you know, did this guy score 35 points a game? Because when the real season starts, that's not going to be – their job right. is it going to be the number one option. So, but I, I agree. I mean, it's, it's great to have a guy like Trey Murphy, who he was 50, 40, 90 in college in, in his last season. I mean, you, you see the credentials that he has as far as what he did in um, at Virginia, you know, trying to translate that to the NBA. Now um, one of the things I always think about for some of the guys that are really good shooters in college is how, how do they adapt to the deeper line? I think the average person, thinks like what's the big deal it's just a foot or two further but I mean for a lot of guys that extra step is a big difference in their range of what they're comfortable with and obviously we see in the the game the first game that he played yesterday I mean he seems extraordinarily um fine shooting that deep shot I, I like his form he seems like he's he's kind of like almost like sitting back in a chair like in a hammock he's got that very relaxed motion and it just seems so um natural so um that was that was what was impressive to me. And I, I'm, I'm sure we're probably going to talk about Herb Jones, but 
he, that guy seems like he really knows what he was out there on the floor to do, which is to defend, be an energy guy and, and make a lot of, you know, plays on offense. He's not necessarily out there to score a ton. So that's what I like the most about what I saw yesterday is it, you can kind of envision, okay, this guy can do this at the NBA level. And now can he carry that from summer league into the team? But it's great to have guys that just seem like they have a great understanding of what their strengths are and what the team needs from them. Well, let's talk about Herb Jones then. Uh, Jimmy kind of obviously gave your thoughts just a little bit on him, but Antonio, what did you see from him, especially on the defensive side of the ball yesterday? What I like about Herb Jones is, and I've said this numerous times um, on our broadcast, I have a healthy respect for guys that can impact the game outside of the scoring column. You know, because everybody wants to score. You know, that, that's the thing. Everybody wants to average 25 points a game, but like Jim just alluded to, that's not everybody's role. You know, and if you look at the Pelicans, they have two guys that can do that already. So basically it becomes a team full of those two stars and role players and basically means you got to get in what you, where you fit in. What do you bring to the table that can benefit this team as far as winning games is concerned? And Herb Jones, if you look at what he did yesterday with the scoring, the facilitating, the defending, and the disruption, that's what stood up to me. You know, it's not like you're not going to look at the game and say, oh, my gosh, this guy was killing offensively. They couldn't guard him. He has unlimited range. No, but I tell you what, there are certain guys that you call like a Swiss Army knife, and they can they bring a little bit of everything to the table. His deflections, um, and I love the fact that he was matched up against a guy that is going to get regular minutes in Patrick Williams for the Chicago Bulls. So he wasn't guarding a third-string guy or a guy that may not make a roster a lot of his minutes were against a guy that's going to get legitimate minutes for the Chicago Bulls. And he did a fantastic job. You can tell he knows where his bread is buttered. And that's what you appreciate. When a guy knows his strengths, knows his weaknesses, knows, all right, this is what I do. Now, in my off time, I can work on what I don't do well. But when I'm in between these four lines, I'm going to bring to the table what I do. And that's what he did yesterday. Extremely disruptive defensively. Got his hands on a lot of balls. As Jim alluded to, made some great offensive reads and offensive passes you can tell like he has some growth within him but you like what he brought to the table yesterday full circle two guys that uh talk about bring growth and you see that in summer league is Kyra lewis jr and Najee marshall both who had minutes yesterday last year with the pelicans but both looked really comfortable i thought yesterday he had a steal and a, a lay-in for for Kyrie. saw a dunk from him as well but but Najee really stuck out to me with his 18 points, how comfortable he looked out there, how much more aggressive he was uh, driving to yeah. the hole. I'll start with you, Antonio, and go to Jim. What did you see from Najee yesterday? It, it comes a point, and I can attest to this. It comes a point at the NBA level where the game slows down for you. You know, when you first come into this league, it's going a million miles an hour. A lot of times if you talk to rookies, the hardest thing to get adjusted to is the speed of the game. The shot clock, you know, how quickly everything is moving, how fast, athletic, and agile guys are. And then it comes a point in your career where things actually start to slow down and move in slow motion. And what it looked like yesterday for Najee Marshall was the game slowed down for him. That experience that he had last year for the Pelicans really paid dividends because yesterday he was the one guy, along with Patrick Williams, on the other end that looked like the game was moving in slow motion. They knew how to read a play before the play was developing. And that all comes from experience. Jim, what about you? Yeah, I thought he uh, he had some really good stuff off the dribble. I mean, we saw that a little bit during the regular season where he was able to get a lot of assists, especially for a guy that 
it wasn't like they ran the offense through him or he was the number one option. Um, so I was impressed by that. It seemed like his pull-up shot and his floaters were great yesterday too, which we saw a little bit of that as well. I think during the real season, especially, you know, maybe more April and May when he got on the court a lot, but it did seem like his comfort level was extremely high. Um, Kyra was the same way where he had a couple plays where he's coming around screens and made a mid range shot. They did a, it seemed like they did a really nice job yesterday of taking advantage of, of that and just getting a lot of open shots. And you can also see uh, some of the offensive sets that Kyra Lewis were, was in yesterday were put in to, to basically make use of his speed. You know, so it gave him an opportunity, even in a half-court set, to get a full head of steam. Whether he was hitting a high post and running full speed off, or hitting a high post, running full speed off, and then coming back off a pick and roll. So you can tell that some of the sets that Willie Green, have, that he has put in for Kyra Lewis, they're put in to make use of what he brings to the table, which we saw last year. He's, he has something that's God-given. He has something that no one else on this team has, and that is that next speed, that next gear. And you spoke of Najee's mid-range game. It's nice to see that growth. And I'll say this, I honest, and I felt this last year. I feel like Najee has more in his offensive bag that we haven't seen. But that'll come with growth, that'll come with confidence, and that'll come with reps. It'll also come with, it'd be nice, a full training camp for both of those guys. And a lot that of these too. guys, <laughs> in, in, for summer league, you know, Kyra Lewis, you didn't have a summer league. You're going right into a a shortened training camp and then boom, you have a tough schedule there. So I think that's going to benefit a lot of these guys on this roster, especially again with a new coach in Willie green. Um, before we wrap things up here, of course, now that we were able to talk about some of the moves the Pelicans made during the free agency moratorium, we can now discuss them, especially the, the big trade with the Memphis Grizzlies that brought us, of course, Trey Murphy with the 17th overall pick Pelicans ship out Steven Adams and Eric Bledsoe, but they also get Jonas Valanciunas back uh, in the fold. And I know, just watching Jonas for a lot of years and, and broadcasting games against him, he's always been a problem for the Pelicans and always been a problem for a lot of teams in the league, you know, what he's been able to put up as far as his numbers and points and rebounds. So uh, I don't want to, I guess, compare him to Steven Adams, but I guess, A.D., I'll start with you. What Jonas brings to the table as far as we know he can score, we know he can grab rebounds, but what else, a part of his game, do you especially like as he joins the Pelicans for the first time this season? It's a few things that that is always me and Joel used to talk about this last year. There are certain guys within this league that you feel are very, very underrated and undervalued. And we used to always say last year, obviously off of camera, that we thought that Jonas Valanciunas was possibly the most underrated center in the league. So even if you just look away from the stats, obviously the 17 and a half and the 12 and a half, that's fantastic. The second chance points, that's fantastic. Again, for me, it's not about the stats. It's not about the name, it's about the fit. As far as how does he fit next to the two stars that you have in place already? So he shot 40% from the three-point line from the corner, 37% from three, 77% from the foul line, which basically means you can play him at the end of the game, which I love. Excellent offensive rebounder and a floor spacer. So even if he's not shooting eight, nine threes a game, that 15 to 17 foot jump shot, you have to honor him. So what that does, again, this league is about space. It's called pace and space for a reason. Space and opportunity is what B.I. and what Zion need. This guy in Yone B., Jonas Valanciunas, good enough and skilled enough through him for an entire game and get a big time. And the fact that you can drop the ball down to him in the low post right. and play with his back to the basket. I mean, we've seen over the course of the last decade or so, 
I mean, going into your career, AD, when you played, but that's a diminishing thing. We don't see as many guys that really can, can score in the low post. And I like the fact that when you have a drought offensively, especially on the road, maybe when the other team Great is going to run, Great point. settle things down and say, hey, take take the ball and, and pin your guy right underneath the basket. That's and, unheard of. Yeah. That's unheard of in today's NBA. You, you right. never see that anymore. How many centers in today's NBA would rather play with their back to the basket as opposed to facing up and shooting jump shots? Right. Can't count on one hand. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I just like his versatility on offense. The AD mentioned how he's expanded his his game offensively now to where he can shoot threes. And um, people talk a lot about spacing, and which is a valid point. But I think it's not just about three point shooting. It's the fact that he can make mid range mm-hmm. shots. That's right. He, he has he has good hands as well. I mean, you can get him the ball in a lot of different areas of the court. And I think that's one of the reasons why he's a he's a better fit w- with the other players that the Pelicans have is just that. You know, he, he's pretty well-rounded. I've always been impressed by how productive he is and how consistent he is. It seems mm-hmm. like he's one of those guys where, you know, he's played really well against the Pelicans, but pretty commonly over the last few years. But even in other games that I've watched, he's one of those guys where it's like he has 15 and 15 and you're at the end of the game and you're like, man, I didn't realize that he, he had that. He's just pretty quietly been very effective, over, especially – in the last couple of years with Memphis, but even towards the end of his Toronto career, you could sense at some point, I'm not sure if it was four or five years or so into his career, something clicked with him and he really reached a different level as a player. See, and that's what I mean when I, when I talked earlier about Najee, where it comes a point in your career where the game starts to slow down and you start to understand certain things. You know, I, I, you talked about it being four or five years into Jonas's career. And, and the thing is, if you go back and you look at Memphis, Understand, they were, they were without one of their young, promising players for a legitimate amount of time. They're without Jaron Jackson Jr. for a long time. And do you know who helped keep them afloat while they were without Jaron Jackson Jr. last year and two years ago? Outside of John Morant, it's yep. Jonas Valanciunas. Yeah. You know, and, and, he did, and, and Jim just spoke on it. You know, you come out of a game and he has 22 and 15. You know, but people will talk about John Morant and as great and electric as John Morant is, there's always a balance to their offense. It's not just, okay, we got to stop John Morant. It's the fact that you have to worry about Jonas Valanciunas, his offensive rebound, his offensive versatility, his offensive, like what everything that he brings to the table. And it's nice now that this will be a problem for other teams now. So now it's no longer a problem for the Pelicans. It's, It's something else that other teams have to scout for. You know, one other thing I noticed about one of the most impressive things I saw all of last season across the whole NBA was a few games into the year, John Morant sprained his ankle very badly in a game against Brooklyn and people knew that he was going to be out for a few weeks. And I remember so vividly people across the league saying, you know, man, Memphis, it's too bad that he's out now because they have no chance to make the playoffs. I was just so impressed by the way that they still won games, even when he wasn't out. You you mentioned Jaron Jackson was out for a long stretch of time, almost the whole season last year. But even when John Morant was, was sidelined, they still were able to win games. And I think, you know, Jonas was a, was a big part of that as well. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and another big trade that the Pelicans made was the sign-in trade with the Chicago Bulls. Lonzo Ball in exchange for Tomas Sadoransky and Garrett Temple. The Garrett Temple, the journeyman, of course, the LSU product as well. Jim, I'll start with you, then go to AD. What should fans know about these two guys that are headed to New Orleans? Everything I've heard about both of them throughout their whole careers, 
Sadoransky's been in the league for five years. Garrett Temple's been in for more than 10. It's just they're really steady, solid guys that you can count on. I feel like they're, you know, coaches' favorites as far as, you know, the players that they they know what they're going to get from them. Um, I think both players fit this description of they don't do things to hurt their team. They're very low in terms of making mistakes. I love Sadoransky's assist-to-turnover ratio, for example, and obviously both of them bring shooting. Um, Sadoransky, I think, is one of the more underrated players at point guard among the backup point guards in terms of just the way that he shoots the ball. He shot over 50% from the field. Some of that is because he's, he's pretty big and he can get into the paint a little bit and shoot floaters. So um, I think just overall, the way I would describe both of those guys is just very reliable and kind of rocks, mm-hmm. rock solid, steady veteran right. players that you know what you're going to, what they're going to do. And then I like that. I like that definition. Steady, you know, steady as far as you know exactly what you're going to get from these guys from Garrett Temple. The one thing you're going to get is that voice in the locker room. You know, I've heard many, um, all-star caliber players say that Garrett Temple is the best teammate they've ever had. Mm. So that means you're walking into this locker room with, um, with a reputation already, a very favorable reputation. So when you speak, um, especially in a young, cause you lost what you lost in this offseason, you lost, well, even during the season, you lost James Johnson, you lost uh, JJ Reddick. So it's not like this team got, this team got younger. Basically. So you need someone in that locker room with some semblance of experience, you know, of whether or not he's playing or not, it doesn't matter whether or not he's playing significant minutes or not. He is, you know, exactly what you're going to get from Garrett Temple as far as leadership is concerned. And Jim just brought up a great point about Sadoransky. You know, I think of myself as a backup point guard, you know, one year leading the league in assist to turnover ratio and another year coming in second, you know, as a backup point guard, you have to, increase the lead or, or, or keep it where it's at, you know, don't do anything to hurt your team. And that's exactly what you're going to know. You're going to get out of Sadoransky. But again, only five years in a change of scenery may be good for him. It may be fantastic for him. We've seen guys that have been placed in this proverbial box throughout the course of their career and they get a change of scenery. And that change of scenery is, is a blessing for them. So um, right now, we feel like we know what we're going to get out of these guys. Who knows? Yep. And who knows? I think the last one we have to talk about is Devontae Graham. We didn't mention him, the addition from the Charlotte Hornets. And look, I think a lot of us can agree that the guard depth was something that the Pelicans were missing a little bit last season, especially when injuries hit. But now we talk about Temple, we talk about Sadoransky, you, you lose Lonzo Ball, but you get back to Devontae Graham. I know everyone wants to make comparisons between the two. Um, but Jim, I'll start with you again. Uh, I mean, Graham, I feel like his role changed a little bit last year um, with the addition of one of the Ball brothers, of course. So how does Devontae Graham fit with what New Orleans is trying to do? Then I'll go to AD with his thoughts. Yeah, I'm really excited and interested to see him play with Zion and Brandon Ingram in terms of just the kind of shots that he's going to get, how how open he's going to be. I think one of the things – I watched Charlotte play a lot the last couple of years, but especially last season, I think they were one of the most fun teams in the league to watch – he had, he had a couple stretches where he was out with injuries, but when he did play, I mean, he's a very explosive kind of instant offensive offense guy who can score a bunch of points in a short amount of time. Um, you mentioned how his role changed a bit last year, but I thought previous to that, his breakout season, which was two years ago, two years ago yep. he, 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 he was one of the most improved players in the league. He finished fifth in most improved player voting. Brandon Ingram won it that year, but um a lot of his role with Charlotte, he took a lot of tough shots. 
but he's, he's able to do that. He's able to score, just kind of shoot pull-ups and off the dribble and shoot contested shots. So I think um, that that's very valuable to an offense, but I, I would like to think that him playing with the guys that he's going to be playing with here, he's going to be able to get even better shots. Right. He shoots a really good percentage from three, even though, like I said, I think he has, has to take a lot of tough ones and he takes a lot overall his, he averaged nine threes a game over the attempts over the last couple of years with Charlotte. So I just want to see him play here and I'm excited about what his potential is to, to do in this offense. As am I. And as opposed to comparing him to someone else, whether that someone be Lonzo Ball, whether that someone be Damian Lillard, I want Devonte Graham and look forward to Devonte Graham being the best version of himself. And Jim just brought up a great point because two years ago, he averaged nine threes a game. But two years ago, he also wasn't playing with the type of talent that he'll be playing with here. So what I, I say that to say this, his production as far as efficiency, what he's going to shoot from three, what I can see him shooting from three, and possibly what he can see himself shooting from three will increase because of who he's playing with. You're playing with a generational talent in Zion Williamson and the league's most improved player two years ago and an NBA all-star in Brandon Ingram. You know what that means? That means I'm going to get a guy a lot of good looks that I'm not used to getting. You know, and his role did change a year ago with LaMelo Ball going in there, with uh, Terry Rozier being there. So his role did change. I am so looking forward to his skill set and how his skill set now translates and transfers with Zion and B.I. and some of the young, as Joe Myers calls them, baby pills. The Baby Pell's doing really well right now in Summer League. Next up for them is the Oklahoma City Thunder tomorrow at 6 p.m. on NBA TV. Of course, make sure you follow Antonio Daniels and Jim Eikenhofer on Twitter, two of the best follows as far as if you want your Pelicans knowledge or NBA knowledge in general. Um, those two are really good and definitely learn a lot from them uh, throughout the entire season. Also, if you want to hear from Devontae or want to watch Devontae Grant's press conference, it will be available today at 3 p.m. Central on Pelicans.com, the mobile app, and also follow the team on Twitter at pelicans nba gentlemen i really appreciate it and look we're, we are so close to training camp i know it's august 10th <laughs> but it's going to come before you know it and i look forward to hopefully seeing you guys in person uh for the first i know i got to see you during the willie green press conference but looking forward to having you back ad and looking forward to another great season appreciate the time yes sir yes sir i appreciate it fellas all right on thursday we'll bring in joel myers antonio's partner to recap summer league game number two between the pelicans and the thunder and then we'll wait for that schedule to come out in order to break it down for you as well. For Jim and Antonio, I'm Daniel Salerson. Thanks for listening to the Tuesday edition of the Pelicans podcast presented by Seeking.